Hello, I'm Peter Van Dusen, and this is the Primetime Politics Podcast. Hello, I'm Peter Van Dusen, and this is Primetime Politics, the Vote 2019 edition. This is day 17 of the campaign, and today the fight against climate change dominates completely. A day driven by students across Canada, and the actions and words of our political leaders are in the spotlight. Extensive coverage just ahead. But first, the day 17 campaign primer. We may be in an election campaign, but the focus today was less on the power of politicians and more on the power of people, with nationwide protests demanding greater action to fight climate change. An estimated 300,000 people, most of them young people, marching through the streets of Montreal in the biggest climate strike in the country. Thousands more in cities across Canada, demanding more urgent action to save the planet. One of them, 16-year-old Swedish climate activist, Greta Thunberg. Before the march, she met with the Prime Minister and told him he's not doing enough to fight climate change. My message to, to all the politicians around the world is, is the same. Just listen and act on the current best available united science. And uh, I try not to focus so much on individuals uh, and rather focus on, on the whole picture. Because, so, because it's easier to focus. I mean, of course, it's easier to just blame someone. And, of course, he has a lot of responsibility, which he has not. And he's, of course, obviously not doing enough. But we need to, because this is such a huge problem. This is a system that is wrong. So my message to all the politicians is the same, to just listen to to the science and act on the science. Justin Trudeau says he agrees with Thunberg's criticism. I've been a politician for over 10 years now, and I have seen uh, Canadians across the country talking about how important it is uh, to protect the environment. But successive governments of many different stripes not do enough to act concretely on that. And what we see now is a mobilization of young people, of citizens across the country who are demanding more action on climate change. And that's exactly what we're going to do. Greta Thunberg also had a pointed message for political leaders who have mocked her or dismissed her. I don't understand why grown-ups would, would choose to mock children and teenagers for, for just communicating and acting on the science when they, they could do something good instead. But I guess they, they must feel like their, their worldview or their interests or whatever it is, is threatened by us. And that is that we should take as a compliment that we are having so much impact that, that people want to silence us. We become too loud for people to handle, so they try to silence us. So we should also take that as a compliment. <laughs> Concerns about climate change rank as one of the top priority for Canadians in this election campaign, 
Liberal leader Justin Trudeau and Green Party leader Elizabeth May joined the marchers in Montreal. So did the leader of the Bloc Québécois. One protester was tackled by the Liberal leader's security detail after he lunged toward Justin Trudeau. Political leaders are abundantly aware that these marches are happening because the marchers believe current climate change policies are failing. This is a moment of real change. This is our moment to ensure that the world is survivable for those who are too young to vote. And we do that because everyone who's old enough to vote knows to take up their responsibilities, vote green and get real climate action. Ahead of the march today, Justin Trudeau promised a re-elected Liberal government would invest $3 billion over the next decade to focus on forests as a means of fighting climate change. Trees pull carbon pollution from the air and store it in their roots and branches. The Liberal promise includes planting 2 billion trees across Canada over the next decade. Justin Trudeau says the cost of the planting project will be offset by any revenues from the Trans Mountain pipeline purchased by the government. And we made the decision that on the pipeline, all the profits will be invested in the fight against climate change because that's what Canadians expect. That's a different choice than Conservatives are making. And that's the choice facing Canadians right now. A government that has done a lot on climate change and is extremely ambitious in our plans to do more with all Canadians, or a party that refuses to even admit that climate change is a problem. Andrew Scheer is choosing to hide today instead of participating in climate marches. But it's no surprise he's not showing up for the climate march because he's not showing up for the fight against climate change. That's the choice faced in Canadians right now. The NDP leader was in British Columbia again today. He joined the climate march in Victoria. At a campaign stop in Ladysmith on Vancouver Island, Jagmeet Singh promised to create a $40 million BC Coastal Protection Fund to defend wild salmon, remove derelict vessels, clean up the coast, and improve Coast Guard equipment and training. And he accused Justin Trudeau of being a phony on climate change. It's really clear that Mr. Trudeau promised really clearly in 2015 that he would not build the Trans Mountain, that he would oppose it. And then once he got into office, not only did he break that promise, he bought the pipeline and then approved its expansion the day after he declared a climate emergency. That is something that should have everyone pause, and that's why Canadians are saying we can't trust and we don't believe Mr. Trudeau. We don't believe him with any promises that he makes now when he broke those promises so horribly right after getting elected and getting into power. It's clear that he works for the powerful, the people at the very top. He met with the energy lobbyists 1,500 times, and the results are clear. He continues to subsidize the fossil fuel sector. He exempted the biggest polluters from the, the price on pollution, and he bought a pipeline for $4.5 billion. Conservative leader Andrew Scheer was also in British Columbia today. He's the only major party leader who made a point of not joining a climate march today. In Coquitlam, he promised a conservative government would give priority to infrastructure projects across Canada that shorten commute times. But Scheer faced more questions about his decision to skip the climate march and what that might say about his commitment to fighting climate change. Well, first of all, I believe it's always encouraging when you see uh, so many people, especially young people, uh, show their concern for this very important issue. And that is why we have many candidates and members of parliament who are there. It's also why I'm making this announcement today and why we have made announcements in the past about how we have a real plan to battle climate change. 
by taking the climate change fight global. And I think Canadians see, those people protesting today see, that Justin Trudeau's plan is failing. It is not as advertised. I love this face, And that's the kind of day it's been. Day 17 of the campaign. 24 days to go before Canadians vote October 21st. Well, we caught up with one of the organizers of today's climate strike in Montreal, Albert Lalonde, with the Devoir Environnemental Collectif, and he uh, is in the middle of the, uh, the climate march today. Uh, Albert, first of all, thanks for speaking with me. As the climate strike begins to wind down now today, how successful do you think it was? Uh, I think it was beyond our, our, our expectations, uh, for sure. Uh, so now the official numbers are half a million, um, and first... It's fantastic. We, we couldn't have hoped for better. Of course, we would have liked to have two million people, but realistically, uh, half a million is really like the best case scenario. What do you think motivated so many young people to take part in the march today? Well, I, I think they feel this, this, this deep anxiety, this deep panic, and it, it's really true for the youth, uh, you know, that it's going to you know, have such an influence on their life. And, and, but, you know, we're not only young people. We're also uh, followed by so many people from the other generations. And that's what, that's what's new about today also, because, you know, the demonstration today was organized uh, by an unprecedented and very valuable coalition of, of actors from the entire civil society. So we, it's organized as much uh, by the, the biggest unions, uh, working unions, as, as well as uh, so many NGOs and 400 community groups and citizen groups from all professional fields, um, and, and of course the students groups also. What message do you believe that this kind of demonstration of, uh, of this many people on the streets of a city like Montreal and across Canada, what message does that send to political leaders in this country? Well, they must ask. Uh, the expectations are very clear. The science is crystal clear. And, and I mean, they shouldn't even need us to, to do that. It should just be obvious that, you know, what, what choice they have to make. And, and the message, is, the message it, it sends is just that, you know, change is coming, whether they like it or not. And they just have to live with it. And it's going to get bigger and bigger. And they must act now because it's a crisis we have. 16 months uh, following the, the, the IPCC recommendations, we have 16 months left uh, to begin the radical change that is needed. Are you satisfied with what you heard from political leaders today about they say they have plans to deal with climate change. Are you satisfied that those plans are serious? No, we are absolutely not. Uh, what we asked the leaders to do was to come to the march and, you know, if they don't want to demonstrate against their own policies, then, you know, it's, it's up to them. Everyone is welcome. It's, it's you know, open to any citizen. Uh, but if they don't want to demonstrate against their own policies and be coherent, uh, we ask them to come, you know, without, you know, with their hands uh, full of, of concrete, immediate uh, measures. And right now, we cannot say that any of the political, uh, of the federal parties, as, as the platform needed. We need a year-by-year year, uh, target that, that will be reached. And it's not, about, it's not a joke. It's not about 
beautiful speeches. It's not about, and we, we've had too many empty words. Okay, so what happens after these marches? How hopeful are you that the leaders will hear the call for urgent change to take more ambitious action to deal with climate change? How optimistic are you? Um, I don't know, but I think that, you know, today is just the beginning of something uh, much bigger. It's, it's a first step in, a, in an overall gradation. And, you know, demonstrations are a powerful way to act and to make a difference, but we got so many other possibilities. And we, half a million people here have stood up and marched uh, to, to ask uh, for their right to live, to be respected. And, and you know, people are rising and, and all these people, they're going to, you know, they're going to act and a lot of them are going to get involved. And, you know, it's always getting bigger and bigger and, and there's just no choice. And, it's, you know, it becomes more obvious every, at every single second. And, and so we don't really know what's coming up next. It's going to depend on a lot of factors. Uh, but what we can say is that today was the beginning and we hope it was, we hope it's been a turning point uh, in, in the fight against uh, the lack of action. Uh, but then, you know, it's hard to predict. Uh, but I think, you know, it's, it's very significant. Uh, that That's for sure. All right, Albert Lalonde, thank you for your time today. I do appreciate it and uh, take care. Thank you. Well, these climate strike marches are happening across the country today. CPAC's Morgan Campbell was at the march in Regina, Saskatchewan, in a province with the fourth highest greenhouse gas emissions in the country. I'm Morgan Campbell in front of the Provincial Legislative Building in Regina, Saskatchewan, where today hundreds gathered for the Fridays for the Future climate rally. Now, this strike was just one of many that have been held across the province, the country, and around the world today. But... At this provincial legislative building where the SAS party government is one of just eight provincial governments taking the Trudeau Liberals to court over the constitutionality of a federally imposed carbon tax that has voters here considering that with a federal election just weeks away. Get out there and vote and not only to vote but to to be passionate about what's happening because this is like like people are burning down the rainforest to make money off of it and that's like ridiculous and it's not just Canada it's 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 a global issue do you think there's a point of coming here well I'm looking at people who are looking at the difference in economic levels but first of all climate um, good positive policies for healthy energy development um, and, and then second is, is uh, issues of social justice. I'm looking for uh, government reform and elections. Now we would ask you to take our message into the government and tell them what we need for our future. Climate change, by all means. I mean, I, to me, it's the number one agenda. And uh, I'll follow whatever party makes at the top. And I want to ask people to stop using plastic. And you shouldn't use too much gas and no smoking. You should recycle a lot and no using plastic. The street just behind me marks the eastern edge of the Regina Louvan riding boundary, where it looks like most polls are predicting the Conservatives may take back what was an NDP seat last term. 
regardless of who is in power in Regina Louvan. It seems climate and the environment will have to be top of mind for that person. For CPAC, I'm Morgan Campbell in Regina. Well, what's different about these marches is that the driving force is young people, students, young professionals. Clearly, the climate change campaign for urgent action is getting uh, its fuel from them, and the rest of the world is sort of being pulled along. But not all young people agree on what action is needed to fight climate change or which political party can help turn aspirations into action. With me now are four young political activists to discuss the marches today and the way forward. Kate Strafty is a second-year global and international studies student. She is a Green Party supporter. Trevor Stewart is a third-year conflict and human rights student. He is a member of the Liberal Party. From Montreal, we're joined by Andrew Zettel. He is a graduate in political science and a member of the Conservative Party. He joins us, as I say, from Montreal, where the big march to, is taking place today. And James Casey is a political science and economics student and a member of the NDP here with me in the studio as well. Good to see you all. Thank Thanks you. for being here to talk about this important issue. And I guess where I, where I want to start is just by opening up the floor a little bit to, to the conversation about this big march today and how that's sort of galvanized the intention of the entire country here and, and, and wondering what you, what you think, how this should influence the debate we're having now on climate change. Who, who wants to start? I guess I'll, I'll go first. Um, I think it's really, um, it really shows um, how much young people really want this question of, you know, uh, the environment and climate change really on the ballot. And I think that, you know, with the mass organizing done today by all the climate activists and uh, Greta Thunberg coming uh, to Montreal, um, really inspiring a lot of uh, young people especially, and really just echoes the, the concerns and frustrations among young people. Uh, we really feel like there's not really as much action being done on the climate front as necessary, and uh, that, that speaks to, you know, the frustration among young people nowadays. Kate, what do you think? I agree with your comments. Um, I believe that this action is showing that climate change is the most important issue for young people today. Um, as well, I think we're seeing that these strikes have been pushing politicians to make bigger promises, as we've seen um, Justin Trudeau announce that he's going to transfer our economy to a green economy by 2050. But I think um, we should take things with a grain of salt because. Um, he has no concrete steps to get there, and he's been known to break his promises. All right, and Andrew, let me go to you in Montreal. How do you feel this should, does a march like this today, should it, uh, how should it influence the conversation the country's having right now on climate change and what to do about it? Well, I'm on Sherbrooke Street here in Montreal where a lot of the, uh, the march is taking place, so it's definitely a big day for climate change awareness. Um, and it, you know, it's timely that we're in a federal election uh, I think we should always keep in mind that uh, this is one piece, definitely, of the environmental conversation. I think the enthusiasm that young people show today and in other um, demonstrations uh, makes it clear that politicians all need to have something to say on climate change as well as on how to protect our environment more broadly. Okay, um, and Trevor, how about you? Let me hear you. Yeah, so um, millennials in our generation um, now form the largest voting bloc uh, in this federal election. Um, and the number one issue for us is climate change, making climate change essentially um, the top issue in Canada right now. Um, 
And I think we can see that reflect in the way the party leaders have been acting uh, and in the promises that they've been making in this federal election campaign as early as it is. Um, they're taking it seriously, which is something that, uh, which is something refreshing. All party leaders are finally taking it uh, seriously. Um, so I definitely think we're going to be seeing concrete steps from all parties uh, to ensure that this issue is uh, properly addressed. Why are we seeing young people in the streets? I think that we're really concerned about the future. Um, you know, we're going to have to inherit this country um, and for future generations we're going to have to inherit this country and we're hearing, you know, when when I talk to people about, oh, you know, did you hear about that report on like climate change and they ask me which one and that to me is like really concerning because we shouldn't be having a bunch of reports telling us that we need to act now, especially one that gives us a deadline of 11 years to act. But, but our young people in the streets because they, they, they've come to a point and they've been in the streets before, I mean it's mm -hmm. not the first time we've had it, but yeah. we're seeing huge numbers here. And is that an indication that you know that that you feel kind of shut out uh, by the political process? You think that politicians aren't doing enough? They haven't taken serious action on climate change fast enough. So we got to let our voice be heard. Fair. Yeah, I think um, unlike things like um, health or trade or infrastructure, uh, climate is something that um, we're seeing the effects of. Uh, we're seeing it happen right now. We're seeing it happen with incredible um, heat waves. We're seeing it happen with huge flooding. My um, community has been s heavily impacted by uh, flooding we've never seen before. So it's impacting uh, Canadians and more precisely young people right now because we're all about the future. Young people, our generation, it's all about uh, thinking of the future, thinking of what we're going to be doing uh, in this generation and in this world. And Does that mean that you're, that you're not necessarily your parents? Does that mean people my generation you don't think are? Well, it's so like uh, the older generation right now, we're seeing that their number one issue is health um, in, in this federal election. So I'm seeing that a lot of generations are pushing their self interest, whether we like it or not. And our generation, we're seeing, you know, a cut and an end to our future, a possible end to our future, if we don't address climate change as a serious political issue, which it is. All right, Andrew, let, let me go to you in Montreal. Um, as, as, a, as a young conservative supporter, I mean, Mr. Shear is getting lots of heat in this campaign that. He's not serious about climate change. He wasn't at any of the marches today. Um, is that a big deal to you? Well, um, you mentioned about whether young people feel shut out of the political process at all. I mean, I think politicians generally like to make these grand statements and show up at these large events and get photo ops. Um, but at the end of the day, do they have any real action to show on climate change? I mean, we've had our Prime Minister uh, say he's very committed to the fight against climate change, but over the past four years, he hasn't been able to advance us towards the Paris climate targets that were set and developed by Stephen Harper's government. So I think it's important for politicians to have a plan on this. It's going to be something talked about. Um, at the end of the day, I think in an election, however, affordability, uh, access to good jobs are going to be the number one issue uh, for younger voters. This is probably a close second. All right. What, what are your thoughts on that? Well, oh, sorry. Go ahead. It's, I, don't, I don't think we should be, like, he's not hailing the, the Harper government got us into the Paris Climate Accords. I believe they, it's a Harper government that pulled us out of the Kyoto Accords, uh, which was really helping out the environment. Saying that uh, the Liberals have done nothing in four years is just not true. We put a tax on carbon, we put a pricing on pollution, something the Conservatives are currently fighting against, uh, which I find it, it, like the science and the data shows that putting a price on pollution works. We're now, um, 
We're now formed on banning plastics in 2021. We're moving with infrastructure projects uh, that are promoting green energy. We're putting $1.5 billion in cleaning our, our rivers, our oceans, and our bodies of water. This is things, this, that $1.5 billion has never been seen uh, in Canadian history before, an investment to clean our waters. Right. What, do you, what, do you, what do you both think? Both your parties believe in well, pricing carbon, <laughs> but, uh, yeah, yeah. And, but you're, you're clearly not satisfied with the record of, of, the, of the current government and, or the promises the Liberals are making. No, obviously these are all a bunch of pretty words and, you know, there might have been some action, but at the end of the day, that doesn't really matter if you buy a pipeline in the end, a $4.5 billion leaky pipeline, which, you know, uh, if there was even a, a small spill of that on the coast, um, the, the government actually doesn't have uh, the resources to uh, actually be able to clean that and save the, uh, save the coast. And that's one of the things that we actually announced today was uh, we're announcing $40 million uh, to protect the coast. Right. Uh, Kate, what do you think? Both the Liberals and the NDP don't have any clear targets to get us to be carbon neutral by 2050. Not true. Um, yeah, also not Liberals, <laughs> they don't have plans for the next five years, next five years, next five years. The NDP still supports natural gas. Jagmeet Singh mm -hmm. won't yeah. reject the L LNG project. He so. was asked about it today, do you flat out reject it or not? And he, he wouldn't answer the question. He said, look, it's, uh, I believe that eventually we have to get off fossil fuels. But yeah. uh, So, uh, I mean, uh, um, let me come back to you in Montreal. Um, Andrew, let me, ask, let me ask you. So if, if it's, you know, these other parties are setting these targets and they, they, they say they want to take more action. Uh, the Conservative plan is, is not about taxing carbon. And... So why do you believe that young people should be drawn to the Conservative plan ahead of the plans offered by the parties supported by your colleagues? Well, I think um, in broad strokes, it's, it's more realistic. It talks about our investments that we can make in green technology, as well as the fact that Canada exists in the world with other large global players. And so we should be taking this fight global. Um, I think by focusing too much over the last few years on taxation, uh, we actually make it seem like there's only one solution to this problem. Um, and, you know, yesterday the Prime Minister came with a photo op, you know, paddling a canoe down the river and announced that he's going to send low-income families camping at the end of the year. So, so that's great. So we'll increase the cost of living on gas and groceries and then send you camping at the end of the year. I don't think that's a credible plan. And I think that if we can c combat climate change, but also protect the rest of our natural environment, you know, our lakes, rivers, national parks. Those are the types of things that I'm hearing from Andrew Shear and that I'm hearing from the Conservatives. Uh, and so I think young people um, can get on board with that plan as well. Okay, let's finish on this. Time's almost out here, but uh, let me finish with all of you on this question. Uh, how optimistic are you that, a, that a, a significant event like these marches today will actually result in some kind of more uh, dramatic action to fight climate change? I would say that you know it definitely brings it more into the conversation, um, but we we still need action on on the climate front. Um, we we can do all these rallies as much as we want, um, but you know the the optimism in, the optimism in me is growing less and less more because for you know how many how many reports need to come out for us to be able to do something. Um, I think that in this election, it's going to be, uh, you know, very clear what young people want. It's just up to the politicians to be able to pull through on that. Kate, how optimistic are you? I am optimistic. Um, I believe that 
young people are passionate about this and that they will get out to vote because they know that governments aren't doing enough. Um, it's just whether how many people will get out and whether the older generations will listen. Uh, I'm very optimistic. I think uh, our politicians are finally listening to us. I think we're finally seeing concrete actions uh, on all fronts. Uh, and one 16-year-old Swedish girl was able to revolutionize the world. Imagine what 500,000 uh, young people in Canada can do, which is what we're seeing today. So I'm very excited. Andrew, is this, uh, a, you think this is a one-off today, or uh, we're going to see more of this? And is it going to prompt uh, greater action from our political leaders? Well, in some ways, I think it puts us on the map. And, and like I said, this is part of a global movement um, of demonstrations and um, so I think if Canada can engage with the world on this then uh, definitely change is possible. All right thank you all for your time today good to talk to you and uh, we'll continue to follow the story appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you Peter. Just trying to give my kids something to live in in the future it's their uh, PEA day uh, you know we're just trying to instill climate protection and giving them something to look forward to. We're to support uh, Greta and her march towards making a statement to make climate change uh, a serious issue. I want the revolution because you can't have climate change without system change. We gotta reform everything essentially, make a whole new world. Um, I'm here because I want to save our planet and I want the government to make some changes so that's possible. Yeah, I'm here for the government to change um, the planet so I can have a better future. I just read a sign over there and it said, you'll die of old age, we'll die of climate change. And that's why I'm here. Yes, uh, well, we're here to help with all these young people in state. Let's get moving and get something happening. We need to move, we need to act, not talk. I'm here because I'm concerned about the environment and I think that the people who are in charge are like making promises they can't keep and I think we need to change that. I'm here today to fight for my future and my message is to please just see us. Okay. Um, I'm here to support the, our future and our planet to hopefully be able to make it a better place. Yeah. I'm here so that way our planet doesn't die before I have children. <laughs> Yay. You know, it's a time for everyone to rally together and kind of say that this, the status quo isn't what we're looking for right now. And so everyone's coming together just to kind of spread that message in hopefully a positive way and a way that makes an impact. I'm here because the climate is a great concern. Uh, it's rapidly changing and it's not something the politicians can ignore. It, something needs to be done. And why are you here today? Uh, because, uh, because climate change is a real thing and we're all here to say that, to, to show them that it's a real thing and the world is going to fall apart if we don't do something. Well, it's time to get a campaign update by the numbers now. David Coletto is the CEO of Abacus Data and a frequent contributor here on CPAC to help us make sense of the campaign, looking at the issues, the announcements, and the promises based on what public opinion is telling us. Uh, David, good to see you again. Thanks for being here. So we have this these massive climate marches across the country mm -hmm. today, and uh, clearly it's climate's an issue with young people. So how big of an issue is this with the, the general voting public? Well, right now in our tracking, it is the number three issue. 42% of Canadians tell us it's one of the top five issues that will determine their vote 
Um, and so it's, it's more important than a lot of issues that have been discussed in the campaign so far and that, that other Canadians are thinking about. And your point about, you know, is it just young people? It's not just young people. Young people are more engaged on this issue. There, there's an intensity to their concern about it that, that maybe is different than older Canadians. But across the board, I think there's a uh, not only recognition that this is a problem, but I think a growing recognition, right? 42%, right. Uh, a similar number says climate change is an emergency in a survey we did earlier this year. And so I think there's a, a broad recognition, not only that it's an important issue, but for a large number of Canadians, it may come down to, it, it, it's a starting point to how they'll uh, um, evaluate the parties and the leaders mm -hmm. in, in making their choice. Just going to say on this notion of can it, can it move a needle in an election campaign, and I guess issues can, um, in terms of how they how they crop up, how the parties deal with them. So you see a big demonstration, yeah. a series of demonstrations like this. You see the parties all trying to respond to it. It's the story of the day. Does that have the potential to then, you know, um, frame how they do their campaigning and what they talk about? I think so. And I think it's, it's ha like today, because it's going to get so much coverage, um, it could be one of those events that, that pivots the campaign, right? Campaigns are... are it's not as long as the American elections, but they're still long. There's a lot of days, and not all Canadians are paying attention every single day to every single thing that happens. But there will be moments when people will tune in, and, and it might frame the way that they assess it. Also, don't underestimate the impact of young people going home to their parents or their grandparents and having conversations about this, right, and the impact that that has. Right. So I'm not saying this the election... generational gap, if there exactly, is Exactly. Not that this election will be about climate change, but events like this, which is why they hold them, might raise that issue for, um, further up the agenda and, and at the very least are getting most of the party leaders today talking about it. All right, some new numbers to talk about today. And just before we get to them, let's look at the methodology. What do we need to know? Yeah, so we surveyed uh, almost 2,000 Canadians. We went in the field Monday. We finished uh, Thursday morning. And so this is very fresh numbers representative of the country conducted online. Okay, uh, let's look at what we call the horse race numbers because we'll start there, start there, but we won't stay there. Yeah. Uh, what's the story? What are we seeing? Well, we're actually seeing in our numbers for the first time since May 2019, the Liberals numerically ahead of the Conservatives in our national polls. They're up three points from the survey that we completed over the weekend. And so we've been doing more regular surveys. They're at 35% nationally. The Conservatives are at 33, only down one. So not a huge amount of movement, but movement, and at least in our surveys, that kind of go counter perhaps to the narrative that the blackface photos and some of the stuff that's happened in the campaign might be hurting the Liberals. Um, at the national level, we don't see a lot of evidence that the Liberals are suffering. In fact, there's some indication perhaps that they've got a little bit of momentum right now in our polling anyway. And, and some of that might show up and we, we break down the vote intention by region. What do we see? Well, we see the most of the movement uh, from one week to the next in our polling has happened in Ontario, where the Liberals now have a seven-point lead uh, over the Conservatives. That's in line with some of the other polling that we've seen. Uh, the Liberals continue to do well in Quebec. We don't see the, the sort of spike in block numbers that are happening. They're doing well. They're at 20% in Quebec. But the NDP, but the, NDP the Greens, they're, they're, they're still well back in... Um, in, in single digits, but the Liberals have a big lead there. Atlanta, Canada, solid for the Liberals. The Prairie, solid for the Conservatives. And as it's been for some time, B.C. remains very competitive. Uh, in fact, more competitive with multiple parties, not just the Liberals or the Conservatives in play. And so um, that, that, that helps explain this, the move in the national numbers. Okay, let's look at impressions of the leaders. Let's start with Justin Trudeau. A uh, little better week. A little better week. Um, you know, obviously people reacted somewhat negatively to those photos that appeared last week. Uh, his numbers, uh, his negatives went up, his positives went down. They've turned slightly back towards each other. Um, but he still is a position in which more people view him negatively than positively. But that trend line is so flat, it's really interesting. 
um, that, that people who have an opinion of him in one way or the other don't seem to be moving much, which we should expect because he's the leader that most people know of, that they're most familiar with, so it's much harder to move opinions about him. And what about the impressions of the Conservative leader, Andrew Scheer? Uh, this could be a bit of an issue. This is an issue. I think as more people seem to be getting to know him over the campaign, um, fewer people are liking him, more people view him negatively. That's not the right direction, I think, if you're Mr. Scheer trying to... to uh, obviously appeal to more Canadians. Um, you know, again, given this is in, in context to everything else that's happened around him, um, it doesn't seem yet that the Conservatives are taking advantage of any vulnerabilities or weakness that the Liberals might be showing because of some things that the Prime Minister did certainly 20 years ago that are that are shocking Canadians to some right. extent. So if, if Andrew Scheer might not be happy with the, the impressions people have of him, he, he's probably happy that they have, people are building a better impression of Jagmeet Singh. Right. He, he wants Jagmeet Singh to do better than he's doing to be competitive against Justin Trudeau. So if Justin Trudeau had a better week, Jagmeet Singh's had a pretty good had week. Had a good week. We rarely see these kind of spikes that we saw. And, you know, last week we saw his numbers go down, his positives go down, which, which kind of, in a way, was counterintuitive given, you know, the, the attention he got in response to the photos of Mr. Trudeau. But this week we do see a nice bounce up for Mr. Scheer now, clearly more people view him positively than negatively. Again, is this a trend? I don't know. We need more data to know that, but it's certainly better news for Mr. Singh after what has been, a, I think, a difficult campaign for the NDP to get any attention. And uh, speaking of attention, uh, how much attention are people paying to the campaign? Interesting. You've got some numbers about interest, right? Yeah, there's, there's sizable interest in an election campaign, but we have numbers before the campaign, just as the campaign was starting in today, and remarkably, they are incredibly consistent. Almost exact. Well, they're exactly the same. About half the country says they are following it closely. About a third say they're following it somewhat. And then there's a very small group who say they're not really following it at all. That is unchanged. So we are still at the stage of this campaign where people are engaged, but we haven't yet reached that kind of full engagement. Um, and if we do reach it, it's not likely going to happen for another few weeks, I don't think. But um, so, so not everything that happens on the campaign yet is being really noticed by most Canadians. All right, this next slide. Voter universes. Explain what we're seeing here. So the voter universe is the, the full number of people who say they're open to voting uh, for each of these parties. So the numbers at the top uh, of that slide suggest that, the, you know, 46% of Canadians say they would be open to voting Conservative. Now, the way to look at a campaign also is these parties have converted some of that support. That's, that's the horse race number. What percentage of people say they would vote Liberal or Conservative? The number above, or that group above, are, are the potential. And what this shows, first of all, is all the parties still have lots of room, potentially, to grow between now and Election Day. Certainly the Greens and the NDP have the biggest room to grow because they've converted mm. fewer of their potential supporters. Uh, but it shows the Liberals have the highest ceiling, right? 52% say they would be open to voting uh, for the Liberal Party. All, I, all this really, the big story here is we know what the horse race is today. It may not be what the horse race is, you know, a week or two weeks from now, because there's a lot of Canadians who are still open to voting for a party other than the one they'd say they vote for today. All right. Uh, this next slide helps us, and, and we're hearing less and less of it now on the campaign trail, but the whole brown blackface controversy right. in Justin Trudeau, what, what are you finding? Well, we've been tracking this, um, and as of yesterday, it's almost universally known that the story was out there, and that's a very fast pace in which almost... You know, 94% of Canadians said they've heard at least something about this story. 65% up 11 points from our last survey say they know, they've heard a lot about it. So this story has broken through. Um, the question that still lingers in a lot of people's minds is, is it, is it going to matter? And when we ask people 
um, how it will affect their vote, if it will at all, the numbers really haven't moved much. 10% say they're reconsidering their support for the Liberals as a result of this, which in a close election as it is, could be meaningful, but the vast majority of Canadians say either I'm not voting Liberal anyway, or this is not going to really affect my vote. Okay, so when you look at this information, and you look at the polling universe this yeah. week, uh, because you're looking beyond your own numbers for us, um, what, do you, what can you tell us about where we are in week three? What's, what's the story here? Well, I think we're still seeing the parties trying to, you know, lots of policy announcements this week. I think you're right, a pivot away from last week's events around those photos, um, an, an increased focus on climate change, but still voters not fully engaged in the election, not a lot of movement happening, some improvement for the Liberals, but really just outside the margin of error. And so I still think most Canadians are in a, in a holding pattern here. They're waiting to hear more. They're maybe not fully engaged. Um, and the big thing that, you know, as we, as we finish this week and we look to next week um, and, and then headed into the debates is, what is this campaign really about still? I don't think um, it's, it's clear. It's been defined yet. I don't think voters know what the ballot question is. And um, ultimately, um, they're, they're really still um, gauging and assessing their options, right? They have clear views on Mr. Trudeau. But what we're learning now is as they get to know the other opposition leaders uh, more closely, how are they reacting to it? The bad news for Mr. Scheer is more people are reacting negatively. The good news this week is for Mr. Singh, maybe they're giving him a second, a second look. And we won't see the impact of that now for a number of weeks, I think. All right, David Coletto, always a pleasure. Good to talk to you. Thanks, Peter. We know that the time to act is now. We need to do more, and that's exactly what we're laying out as a plan to do. And the contrast and the choice, again, in this election is between a government committed to doing much more in the fight against climate change or a Conservative Party that refuses to understand that it is the great fight of our time. They refuse to show up to the marches. They refuse to show up for the fight. Andrew Scheer is busy hiding from this while Canadians are out there demanding greater action, and we are there for that. I believe that Canadians who want government to take the environment seriously are justified in expressing their concern. And that's why we have a real plan to tackle uh, CO2 emissions, to reduce CO2 emissions, not just in Canada, but around the world. And that's the piece that, 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 that the Trudeau Liberals are missing on here. We could shut everything down tomorrow, shut it all down, power everything down. And in a matter of days, Emissions from China, India, Indonesia would replace everything we did here. So if the goal is to lower the amount of CO2 that's in the atmosphere, any plan that does not have a global context is doomed to fail. Our plan has that global context. We're going to export clean Canadian technology. We're going to do more of the things here in Canada that we can do at a lower emissions rate. That is actually going to be better for the planet than a carbon tax that makes everything more expensive and just drives jobs and investment out of our country. Very clear, the future, what I'm going to do is I'm going to end immediately fossil fuel subsidies. I'm going to take those, those, those billions of dollars and invest it in clean and renewable energy. I'm going to make sure our future is one where we're investing all of our public dollars into renewable energy and we're building a future where young people can say, you know what, these, these leaders are fighting for us. They can, I want to look at young people in their eyes and say, you know what, I'm not going to let you down. I'm going to fight with every ounce of my power and skill to be able to defend this environment so you have a bright future. The tens of thousands yeah. rally. Do you look at them all as potential voters for the Greens? They are, well, 
the ones that are too young to vote now, by the time they're old enough to vote, if we haven't made the changes that are necessary, they won't have a, a secure future in which to make their decisions. So potential voters, yes, but necessary voters are those who are already old enough to vote. People my age who take up our responsibilities for our grandchildren and decide to stop voting for the old parties that always let us down. Well, our Campaign Friday journalists join me now for a look at the top stories of the day. Susan Delacorte's a columnist and parliamentary bureau chief for the Toronto Star. Michelle Zelio is a political reporter with the Globe and Mail. And Vanmala Subramaniam is a reporter with the National Post. Good to see you all. Thanks for being here. Thanks, uh, look, um, let's start with the big climate marches today. And I'm wondering, Susan, let me start with you. What effect do you think they'll have on the campaign, if any? I'm, you know, we were always told this was going to be the climate change election. Um, but I think for there to be... Uh, this to be an election, there has to be sharp divides between them, and the leaders, from the podiums at least, maybe not in their platforms, are trying the, their best to blur distinctions between them. You know, that um, they, they're attacking each other, but I think Canadians really have to dive into the platforms of each of them to find out where they're different, except the Greens, of course. Yeah, and, and do, you think <clears> we're, <throat> do you think we're there, Michelle? Do you think we're at a place yet where this issue occupies enough oxygen and space in the campaign that people will dive into the platforms and say okay I better get my head around this I want to know more. I think if we were heading to the polls this coming Monday then this probably would be one of the defining issues it still could be but it's just so early on and campaigns can change so quickly the one thing I would say is that there is a lot a lack of detail here and if Canadians are really going to dive into these this climate change issue as a voting issue what they will discover is that all the parties are saying we're trying to meet the 2030 you know climate um, commitments through the Paris Accord but there's not a lot of detail on that. So again, there's there's that divide of just not knowing who to vote for because the policies appear to be so similar when you get down to the details. And there seems to be a lot, as I watch the campaign unfold, there's a lot of this sort of trying to do one better than, uh, well, some, one, one party we'll talk about in a minute that's not really in the one do one better game. But uh, let's all do one better and yet Canadians hear all this against the backdrop of so far, no one's meeting the targets. You know, we're falling short of what we're, we promised we would do anyway. It's successive governments. So how does that frame the conversation? What are people supposed to think of that? Well, I think there's a lot of nuance, right, when you talk about climate issues. And I think a lot of voters are not picking up on that nuance because it's it's quite a complicated issue, mm -hmm. right? And I, I think, I mean, the big divides are obviously people who don't think that the oil and gas industry is really an issue and that there's technology like carbon capture and carbon storage that will be able to kind of offset the emissions. So that's one camp. And then the other camp is people who maybe don't know a lot about this but feel that, yeah, I think we have an issue. But then again, the Liberals, you know, seem to be doing something about it. They've said we're going to be carbon neutral by 2050. Maybe we'll go there. And the NDP is saying that they'll do that even quicker than 2050. So, you know, it's, it's really hard to distinguish between you're clear on where you stand if you vote, if, if you, are, you're, you are conservative leaning on this issue. But if you're not, then it's really difficult to kind of figure out. And I think there's a generational gap here. Uh, so I think yeah. older people don't care, not, not to say don't care, but are not as engaged in the issue as younger people. And I think that that's going to make the difference. Certain level of tone deafness here. I mean, I find myself watching the demonstrations today and talking to young people today about this, and they're all talking about the need for 
Canadians to pull together and parties to work together. And then, you know, as soon as they get the opportunity, the party leaders slam all the platforms of the other party <laughs> leaders. Uh, and and it, then we're back to, well, okay, you have to pick one option over the other because there doesn't seem to be any desire to work together. Yeah, it's funny. I watched, um, a, I guess a few weeks ago, everything feels like it was years ago before this election, the Democratic debate in the U.S. over climate change. And they were all emphasizing an issue like this does require collaboration, you know, and not just working in internally in your country, but working with other countries as well. That, you know, the whole thing about the Paris Accords, are they a bunch of countries? And collaboration is a really hard sell in an election that's about competition. You know, right. so we've got, it, it, it's very hard to go out there and say, I'll work with people when you're trying to defeat them. So, um, it, you know, Kim Campbell famously said elections are Not no time, time to talk. talk about policy, but they may be no time to talk about collaboration either, unless you're talking like Elizabeth May is, which is, let's talk about minority parliament. Right. Let's talk about having an institutional way to make sure we work together, which may be the result of this Michelle, campaign. What do you think? I think that the lead up to this point on Friday with these hundreds of thousands of Canadians taking to the streets as we were hearing policy, policy, policy from the parties, and they were looking very similar. But today, everything was about optics. The fact that all of the major party leaders mm -hmm. were taking to these marches, except Mr. Scheer, mm -hmm. was very interesting. And I think for young people, that could be something that really stands out for them when they go to the polls. Maybe somebody who doesn't dive into a, a platform document but says, I remember the Conservative leader didn't show up. But that would also stand out for people in Alberta, where oil and yeah, gas is a very major voting up. issue. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. So th th that's interesting too, right? I mean, let, let me frame it this way. So who, who do you think took the bigger risk today? Justin Trudeau by showing up because, or Andrew Scheer by not showing up because uh, we had, uh, there were some people screaming at Justin Trudeau at, at the march and so on. But uh, as Andrew Scheer pointed out, he, you know, great, he shows up at a demonstration against his own policies. And so, uh, but by the same token, Andrew Scheer doesn't show up. Who took the bigger risk? I think Scheer took the bigger risk. And I'll say this because if you just look at voting patterns across the country, the captured vote for Scheer are people who don't really care about climate change as an issue. He has those votes. Those people don't really have an alternative. And so for him, what he's trying to do to even form a minority government is trying to get the rest of that vote, right? Like people who maybe are not so aware about the issue, but they don't understand the importance of the oil and gas sector. And so I think by him not showing up, that kind of doesn't figure to me because I would ask, what are you yeah. doing to get the rest of the people who have an opinion on this into your fold who might be fiscally conservative, you know? Yeah, and then on the other hand, Justin Trudeau is trying to, I mean, that, this is the fishing from which pool argument, right? So yeah. Andrew Scheer needs to fish from a pool of people kind of in the middle who are prepared to vote yeah. conservative, and Justin Trudeau needs to go get all the progressives he might have had last time and, and try to get them back on side, right? Yeah, because I don't think he's going to get the conservatives. I agree with Michelle, though, too, and um, that the, the platforms don't say much. I was actually surprised to see how little the liberals are saying about this, or even pharmacare uh, this week. You know, it's, it's sort of... Well, they're sending oh, kids to camp. That's right. They're yeah, planting trees. That's, that's right, yes. Um, Not diminishing these things, but but you, but yeah, I, I'm surprised with you know they had the election timing in their hands and how little is there except elect us and you know cross your fingers that we'll be better. Well, um, Minister McKenna admitted yeah, that this week, yeah, right? Yeah. Saying, yeah, we don't have details. We know but, there needs to be but more. But get us into government first, and then we'll let you know how <laughs> it goes. Well, yeah. we're going to learn a lot more, I think, this Sunday 
that's what we're expecting when the platform comes out. Right. But, but I, sorry, just to add on this, I think the, the, the Liberals and the Conservatives are kind of, sorry, actually the Liberals are doing this thing where they're just dancing around the oil and gas issue, right? They're not exactly coming out and saying, hey, in order to achieve become a carbon neutral country by 2050, we actually have to essentially get rid or completely transition the oil and gas industry, and they don't want to actually come out and say that. So the platform that they're giving out is just bits and pieces of, we think we can do this by this point, but really the elephant in the room is, hey, the biggest carbon emitters in this country is that industry. So yeah, and they're 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 the part of the, uh, the progressive party that is actually uh, trying to make that argument and stay with it. That yeah, you can have a pipe, you can own a pipeline, and you can still fight climate change. And it, that seems to really be hard sell. Uh, certainly for the for the audience they were trying to talk to today. Right? Yeah, I, I you know I, it's a it is the middle is a really hard place to be in any kind of political discussion mm -hmm. right now too. The the world wants Twitter wants to force people into their corners uh, at least. But uh, during this election, that's a very hard sell. Michelle, what are your overall impressions of where we are in the campaign now? We're in a week, in almost, well, two and a half. We're in a week three here. I think we're on day 16. We're on 17, I or think. Day 17. Right. Yes, yes. Um, I mean, what are your impressions of where we are and how the campaign's unfolding? Well, I think the story of the campaign so far has been this revelation that Mr. Trudeau dressed up in blackface and brownface. Um, you know, I was on the campaign plane when that happened and it felt very intense, but then getting out onto the main streeting with the Prime Minister with the Liberal leader the next day really saw, um, you know, how the Canadian public was reacting to that. So I think that is the moment so far but I'm not seeing a major issue yet again like I said if I think if the polls we were going to the polls on Monday climate change might be it but in the last election 2015 we saw the refugee issue of Syrian refugees really take over the narrative of the campaign about partway through so we still got time we still got debates and there's lots more to go yeah, I think that, you know, after the blackface, brownface issue came out, the Liberals lot, lost a lot of their ammunition. They, was, they were probably sitting on a pile of, you know, oppo research that they had wanted to use, but to they couldn't use. To roll out a bit use, conservative candidates. Right, because they would come across as hypocrites, right? And, and that kind of took away from what they could do. And so in response to that, they just put out every, big things like, ban on, you know, the, 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 gu the gun, the, the gun assault right. ban and uh, the, the, cli the climate change uh, carbon neutral policy. So I think what the reason why they did this is because they wanted to go the opposite direction and stay as far clear on issues of race that I thought in the beginning of the campaign would be a immigration and race would be something that was discussed more, but I think they've just purposely stayed away from it after the blackface thing. Susan, have we, where are we in the, what kind of a campaign does it feel like to you? And if you're, you know, we see the polls basically not moving, a little bit, you know, percentage up or down either way with conservatives and, and liberals. And uh, uh, to this point, I'm talking to David Coletto earlier, no real defining issue yet for people. No, I went door to door in Toronto this week in a couple of polls and um, people knew that there was an election on. <laughs> But they all had different issues at the door. There wasn't a ballot box question at the door. Um, as many people were annoyed by the blackface controversy as were, um, by annoyed I mean, why all Distracted. this fuss and annoyed as yeah. offended. Yeah. yeah, and and as we're bringing it up, there it, there wasn't a clear. Again, this is I'm not sure Toronto is representative, but it was a couple of representative ridings and. 
it was so different the issues at the door so I don't think you know the famed narrative has a, has emerged and I don't know that it's a change election yet mm -hmm. I don't I don't get that sense out there yet but as Michelle said it didn't happen until the Liberals didn't know they were going to win the last election to the last five days mm -hmm. of, uh, of a very long campaign in 2015 so I think anything can happen still more than three weeks to go thank you all no. thank you thanks for having us and that is all for another edition of Primetime Politics on CPAC, the Vote 2019 edition, the Cable Public Affairs Channel. I'm Peter Van Dusen. Thanks for watching. Vote 2019, election coverage continues. Straight ahead.